0: As part of WDET's Summer Book Club, we're inviting our listeners to examine and discuss the text that impacts every resident of the United States, the Constitution. The document laid the foundation for law in this country, and its words still resonate today, even as certain passages upheld societal inequalities. That includes recognizing the institution of slavery. In the years since, some have sought to undo the damage of racism embedded in the Constitution— As WDET's Eli Newman reports, local leaders are focusing on reparations.
1: It doesn't require much reading to see how chattel slavery was codified by America's founding fathers. Most kids learn about it by middle school, the three-fifths compromise. It's in Article I of the United States Constitution. It distinguishes the difference between free persons, who are to be taxed and represented fully, while so-called other persons were given a fraction of the count.
2: One of the things about uh, a democratic society is that we make it what it
1: is. That's the voice of John Conyers, the longtime representative from Detroit. In 1999, he hosted a forum on government reparations to African Americans.
2: The Constitution started off excluding us. The Constitution now includes us.
1: The 14th Amendment granted citizen rights to former slaves overriding the Three-Fifths Compromise. But Conyers said the country never truly healed from the era slavery was legal.
2: We here, now, free men and women are picking up the cudgels, not only for our ancestors, but for the very men that put together the framing of this constitution. In
1: 1989, Conyers introduced H.R. 40, a bill to establish a commission to study and develop reparations for African Americans. He'd reintroduce that bill every year until his death in 2019. While it never reached the House floor, the national conversation around reparations continues. Keith Williams is the chair of the Michigan Democratic Party Black Caucus. He supports local reparation programs like the one passed in Evanston, Illinois, the first city in the country to do so. William says Michigan has its own sordid history of enslavement. William McComb, an 18th century fur trader, was among the area's earliest slave owners. Cass, DeQuinder, Lirinois, they followed him being slave owners. William says racist practices evolved after slavery. He says local politicians crafted policies for discrimination as Detroit's black community grew.
2: Even before Black Bottom, the Browood Wall separated blacks and white people. Up until 1970, black folks couldn't even live in Rosedale Park. Look at the school's takeover. Who's been a brunt of all of that has been African-Americans.
1: Now, some are hoping to make reparations a political reality in Detroit. City Council President Pro Tem Mary Sheffield says there's momentum for the issue.
3: The last presidential election and then you had the death of George Floyd, where you saw a lot more millennials and younger people start to get engaged in this fight for social justice.
1: Sheffield introduced a resolution to draft a ballot proposal for a Detroit reparations committee. She says if approved by voters, it would not guarantee the committee's creation, but it's the beginning of the conversation and a way to gauge support.
3: There's a possibility of using sales tax from the recreational marijuana as a stream to actually fund this.
1: Adopting the new city charter under Proposal P would also create a reparations committee in Detroit. As the two questions head to the polls, voters will have the opportunity to pave the way for their own version of Conyers' reparations bill and take their own steps towards local restorative justice. I'm Eli Newman, WDET News.